Hey, this is Joe Caminetti Jr. Welcome to the BC Podcast. We hope it inspires you and helps you in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. Welcome to Gifted. I'm excited about this series. This is our current series, guys. Before we go any further, I wanna welcome our Boardman campus. I know you guys just had an incredible time in worship like we did here. If you're visiting Boardman, my name's Joe. I'm the lead pastor here at Believers, and I have the privilege of teaching both campuses simultaneously. Hello again to everybody online. We've already greeted you guys. Excited you're with us. And this is a series about the gifts of the Spirit, the nine gifts of the Spirit, lesson three. So if you weren't with us for one or two, I laid some foundation. Last week we talked about the nine gifts and what they are, how they work. And I think we live in a time and age, guys, where this is a really important series for us and also for the people we're rubbing shoulders with because we need as much of God as we can get in our lives. And I know, I've said it from lesson one, some of you grew up in a church that uh, taught that these aren't for today, and I get it, and I encourage you to listen to lesson one if you weren't here, so you can see why I believe and am convinced they are for today. And then others, you just, you've never heard about them, so this is exciting. You're like, whoa, this is something cool. And then others, you, you have known about them for years, you even walked in them, but you kind of cooled off, and then others, you're walking in them. So I just wanna bring us all up to a higher level in, in this area. And I don't know why, but in this series, I just thought I'd tell a joke or two at the beginning of every lesson. I hadn't done that for over a decade, but did you, did you hear about the cannibal that ate a charismatic? He threw up his hands. And uh, you'll get it later. Some of you will get it later. I'm telling you, you're going to get it. Um, here's another story. There's a pastor, and he asked people to come up for prayer um, at the end of the service. So the first guy that comes up, he says, what can I pray for? And the guy says, my hearing. So he puts his hands on him, you know, lay hands on him. He prays, God, open his ears, and God, let these ears be healed. And then after he prayed, he looked at him, and he said, so how's your hearing? And he said, oh, my hearing doesn't go before the judge until Thursday. <laughs> you know, we're gonna, we'll see it all through this lesson, and then we saw it the last two weeks. Gifts can be complicated, right? They can be complicated. And, and guys, here's what I want us to walk out, understanding more clearly than ever, and it goes like this. Gifts can flow wherever we go. Not just for church, but there wherever we go. And I wanna share a true Joe story with you right now. Um, this happened years ago, and I was just at home, not here, and I was actually in devotional, although sometimes I'm not in devotional and these gifts will flow. But I was praying for believers, and I always pray like this. I say, Lord, I'm praying for everyone that calls believers home, and then I just pray specific things. Or if I hear someone struggling, people will come, you know how they come to your mind, or you know some, and I'm just praying for God to move in their lives. And then all of a sudden, I heard God's voice in here, not out here, but in here. And, and, and it wasn't him exhorting me, which I think he wants to do in all of our lives, where the Holy Spirit bubbles up, you know, scriptures and exhorts us. He'll do it during worship and those types of things. This was a specific, this was a word of wisdom. And, and, and the Holy Spirit said in here, he said, I'm going to remove pastor so-and-so from his church. And it just shocked me. I wasn't looking for that. And the pastor so-and-so was a stinker, so I was kind of, in one sense, I'm like, oh, he's a stinker. But, but uh, he had conflict with everybody. But in the other sense, I'm like, God, show him mercy because I'm a pastor and I'm probably a stinker to some people. So, so I'm like, 
God, have, and I start praying for God to show him mercy, give him more time. And then I heard that voice again. And, and he said, I've given him all the time I can give him. I'm telling you so you can pray for the sheep in that church. Because when God removes a pastor because that pastor is messing with the sheep and hurting them, uh, you want to pray for the sheep. So I, I, I began to pray for the sheep at that church um, for about six months. And I knew God didn't want me to call the pastor and give him a word. I just, I just knew what I had to do. And so I prayed. Right around the six-month mark, God removed that pastor from, from his church. And many of the sheep made it. Many of the sheep didn't make it. But I felt good because I felt God probably shared the same thing with other pastors, and we all just prayed our hearts out, and we saved as many as we could. Some of the sheep backslid. Some of them still aren't walking with God. I share that story, guys, because I want you to know that the gifts aren't meant to just work here. Uh, they're supposed to work wherever we go. And I think in order for them to work wherever we go, um, there's just three really important principles we have to understand. And so I want to deal with those principles uh, in this lesson. And I want us to walk out understanding gifts can flow wherever we go. But I think we're stopping them from flowing because we think they can only work in one place or another or in one setting or another. So uh, this first principle is really important uh, because this will stop them from flowing. And it goes like this. Gifts must be governed. Uh, they have to be governed. And so that means that in a church setting, uh, we have to coach people. Uh, we have to let them know, hey, that was just for you, or hey, you know, I don't think that was God. Not correct, but coach. People need coached. And, uh, and then there's parameters, and God says, I like it to happen here, but I don't want it to happen there. And I like this scripture. It goes like this, 1 Corinthians 14, 39. Therefore, my brothers, be eager to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues. Some pastors say, you know, I don't, I don't believe in it, right? That kind of thing. Verse 40, but everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. And as I go through the rest of this lesson, you'll see uh, God sets some boundaries. That's what this whole entire thing, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 are. It's, it's just about how they should work in the church. But then, listen, guys, we have to judge ourselves and we have to examine ourselves and we have to be honest with ourselves. If we're gonna flow in the gifts, we have to be able to admit we missed it. And some people just can't do that. I don't know why. They just can't admit they made a mistake. <coughs> Excuse me. So listen to this. 1 Thessalonians 15, 19. Do not quench the spirit. And there's different ways to quench the spirit. I've had people tell me I quench the spirit at believers because I don't allow things to happen in a weekend service. So I've been called the quencher, Joe Quencher. And, uh, and I get it. And you're gonna understand why I do what I do in this lesson. Um, and, and then you can quench the spirit um, by walking out of love. We talked about it at the end of last week's message, right? You clog the spiritual pipes up. You can quench the spirit by not desiring it in your life. You can quench it. And so there's just different ways to put that fire out. He goes on to say, do not treat prophecies with contempt. And, and you'll, you'll see uh, in this next, the next principle, uh, there's times when you can feel like that because people are prophesying things that aren't really God right? Or they're not meant for the whole congregation. So you can begin to treat them with contempt like, ah, 
that wasn't God. And, and, and here's what we're after. This is the verse I wanted to really read, but I want you to see the context. Verse 21, but test all of them, hold on to what is good. So the very fact that he says test and hold on to what is good, and you could pull prophecy out of there, and you could put the word of knowledge, word of wisdom, anything that's a you know, speaking gift, they need to be tested, right? You, you need to find out, is this really God? And he wants you to test yourself too. And so I'll tell you another story. I just shared the first one with you about God just, uh, just interfering in my life and saying, I'm gonna remove pastor so-and-so. Well, there was another pastor years later who him and I were having conflict and it was impacting our church and there's just some conflict. And I'm praying one day and I just, I just thought, I, I thought I was sensing, <laughs> emphasis on I thought I was sensing uh, that God was gonna remove him. And I just remember like, yeah, you know, God's gonna remove. And I uh, didn't do that, but you know, it's kind of going on in here, right? And, and so I began to pray for his sheep. And, and so after six months, nothing happened. Eight months, nothing happened. And then after a year, uh, nothing happened. And it's been many years now, I don't know, three, four years now, nothing's happened. Um, so I realized I missed it. I, I realized that around eight months. I said, oh, I, I missed it. So I had to examine or test myself and say, why did I miss it? How did I miss it? And I figured it out. You know, I had some strife with him. Um, I wanted him removed. And, and so I opened the door for me to imagine that. And it was way different than the first time. So I compared it to the first time and the second time. And so we have to understand these things must be Govern, and you have to allow people to coach you uh, if, if we're gonna flow in the spirit. You have to allow someone else to say, you know, that just didn't, I, that didn't impact me if you have something for someone. So, and for those of you that are new, you're like, what is this all about? But you'll, it'll all set in one day, right? It will. Here's the second principle right here. Um, some gifts don't work well in large gatherings. They just don't work well in a large gathering. And I wanna just share a 23-year journey with you. So Believers is 37 years old. This is the first 23 years of our church. I'm gonna share my journey, and I'm going to be very transparent. We could call this segment Confessions of a Charismatic Pastor, right? And uh, just gonna be honest with you, try to help you understand uh, why we do things the way we do here at Believers. I wanna say to my pastor friends uh, that watch us, I wanna say to the pastors I don't even know that watch, I, I am not looking for a fight. I'm not saying we're right, you're wrong. I'm sharing my journey. And you have to figure out what you're going to do in your churches. And all of us have to figure that out, right, in our churches. So um, for 23 years, here's what believers look like. I would come up after the worship songs and I would say, let's wait on the Lord. And so we would just wait on the Lord. I'll share something else we did in, in another area here. But uh, then... Uh, I would just allow the gifts to flow in our service. So someone might prophesy over here, someone might prophesy here, one in the back or someone in the front, someone might speak in tongues, someone might interpret. And I felt, there's a scripture, I'm gonna read a section of scripture to you. I felt that that had to happen. And, and I'm a good soldier. If I see the Bible says something, I'm going to, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make sure it works in our church because the Bible says, right? And so uh, year after year after year passed, and here's what was going on. You know, when we worship, the Bible says God inhabits our praises, right? 
So you'd have this beautiful worship like we did today, and I'm sure Borman, I wasn't there, but I know it was the same. And you get up to this beautiful level, and God inhabits that. That means his presence, his life, and the Holy Spirit will be ministering life to people, and it's really cool. It's a cool atmosphere. And, and so someone would prophesy or, you know, tongues interpretation, and, and I knew it wasn't for the congregation. I knew it was for them, but they were saying it to everybody. So I, I don't know how else to word it, but to say it didn't have any umph, right? Just there's no umph. And, and it would literally take the worship from here, and it was like you threw a cold glass of water or a bucket of water on it and it brought it down here, and it just wasn't working. 23 years. And I remember our, our first worship leader, Alan, he was with us for 25 years, and him and I would have these conversations, not weekly, but we had a lot of them, and, and they kind of went like this. Uh, worship was really way up here, and then those words brought it way down here, you know? And, and we tried to figure out, how do we fix this? How do we fix it? Because it just is, if it doesn't have impact, right? I mean, why are we doing it? And so uh, I, start, I start coaching people. I take them aside and say, you know, that wasn't for the congregation. And, and that didn't work, because as soon as I coached one, someone else is like popcorn. Pop, 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 pop. And, it, and you just couldn't coach everybody. So then, these are our first 23 years as a church, right? Then we had one of our pastors I gave him a mic and I said, I told the people, if you have something to say, come up and tell pastor first and he'll let you know whether or not it's for the congregation. No one wanted to come up because they didn't want to take the walk of shame. Like, oh, they, you, you seem like, oh, that wasn't God, you know, so people stopped coming up. So then we went back to the old and start doing it. And right at the 23 year mark, I am so frustrated. I remember just praying and saying, God, I don't know what to do, but this isn't working. It's just it's not no umph in it. There was a few people that had umph, but most of it, I knew it was God speaking to them. So it's like, there's not umph. And uh, so I just stopped it. And so I'd come up after worship and I'd say, let's pray, right? And, and it was like I was driving a group of people on a bus to Los Angeles. And then I all of a sudden turned left and went to Dallas. I went south to Dallas. People are doing that today. They're leaving California, going to Texas and Arizona. But I did that spiritually, and I just turned the bus. And I didn't know how to explain it, so I, I really didn't say a whole lot about it. I just start doing it. And that's one of the main reasons we had a church split 11 years ago, right? I just, I just stopped doing it. And I remember just praying, saying, God, I don't, I don't know what to do in its place, because I felt like I sinned. I felt like I committed a mortal sin when I stopped doing it. And it was the same feeling I had, only a little stronger. Uh, we used to do Sunday night services in the beginning, in the 80s, and then we stopped. And I remember the first month I was home on Sunday night, I felt like I sinned against the Lord. And then it felt good after that. It's like, family night, relaxation, right? Because we did Wednesday night, Sunday morning. It's like, I didn't want to come out another time. I figured, you know, I'd like to rest a little bit. And, and so... Uh, I just felt like I sinned. So I didn't know, and I'm saying, God, what should I do? What should I do? Let me show you the scriptures that just caused me to do that for 23 years. 1 Corinthians 14, 26. Uh, what then shall we say, brothers and sisters? When you come together, each of you has a hymn or a word or of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Everything must be done so the church may be edified. So come together, church. It's like, God, this has to happen in our church, and it's not happening, right? And then verse 27, 
If anyone speaks in a tongue, two or at the most three should speak, one at a time, and someone must interpret. There is no, if there is no interpreter, uh, the speaker should keep quiet in the church and speak to himself and to God. So that kept me, I, th- I said, we have to do it, Lord, we have to do it. But I said, it's not working. And, you know, I'm slow, but after 23 years, I said, it's not working. So, and, and so I'm just praying, God, I don't know why. And then God gave me answers. I, w- I was at a minister's conference, and, and I met a new, um, a, a new pastor from another state. And we were just small talking. And he said, I just obtained my master's of divinity degree. So he went to seminary. He went to Regents University. And, and, uh, and I'm a Bible school guy, so I'm like, well, I, had, I said, what did you write your thesis on? He said, 1 Corinthians 14. I like, really? I said, what specific part? He said the part where, you know, if one has a tongue, really? Because I know he has research I can't get my hands on, you know, research books. And I know he has seminary professors critiquing him. So I, th- I said, so tell me, what was your conclusion? He said, well, here's why I did it. And he, he told me the same story I told you. He said, it wasn't working in our church. So I thought, this is a great thing to do my thesis on. He shut it down like I did. So I said, what did you conclude? He said, well, in, in Corinth, he said they were doing these in homes. And he said they were small groups. And he says, it doesn't work in a large setting. He says, you, it will not work. And, and, and there's another reason too he gave me. I'll show you that in a moment. So that really helped me. And then shortly after that, I received a phone call from a very popular charismatic, worldwide charismatic minister. He called me to see how I was doing after the church split. He goes, how you doing, Joe? And so I'm telling him, you know, I'm doing pretty good. And so he said, tell me, why did you go through a church split? What do you think caused it? I said, well, I think one of the main reasons, I told him about the bus to LA to Dallas, so I don't want to bore you and say it all over. And then he said this, he goes, well, that's just stupid, Joe. And so I'm not sure what's stupid, that I was on a bus to LA or that I went to Dallas. I don't know. And I'm shocked. I was in literal shock. So I go, well, what's stupid? What's stupid? He goes, it's stupid that you ever did it. And now I'm shocked because I said, you do it. He goes, no, I only do it in minister's meetings. He says, on my weekend services, we don't do it. He says, and if it happens, he said, it will be me or someone on the platform that is trained and knows what they're doing. He says, otherwise, Joe, he says, you can't control it. So now I have two guys confirming it. So then this question arose, well, then where does it happen? And obviously the first guy, connect groups, right? In, in connect groups. And there were other stories I didn't tell you. Like I was at, before all this happened, I, I was at a lunch uh, at a minister's conference, again, with some of my closest pastor friends. And this is before I turned the bus. And uh, we were talking, they said, hey, how do the gifts work on the weekend? I said, ah, 90% of the time, the people speaking, it's for them, it's not for the church. And then it just, it's not working. And they start laughing at me. These are four of my closest friends. They're laughing at me. I said, why are you laughing? They said, you're being generous. It's more like 95, 96% of the time. And I said, I know, and how do you fix it? And I told them all the things we did, the microphone and the walk of shame and, and, and all those things. And they go, we don't know. We're, we just stopped like you did, right? And so I realized we need to have an outlet because I believe in them. 
And so uh, we began to push them in connect groups. So I have a prayer connect group, guys. I think we just hit 15 years. I've been doing Saturday morning prayer, 9 a.m., and we don't do it six weeks. We do it every week, right? And sometimes when, when I'm on vacation, some other people take over in the group. So um, 15 years, that's a long time. And we pray in the spirit. So if you're not spirit-filled, you probably don't want to come. Uh, uh, but then at the end, I always give time for the Holy Spirit. And it's amazing. The gifts just start flowing. Now, I want to say this about my prayer group. It's always right on. These are, these are mature Christians. So when they prophesy or they have a word, it, it's, it's always, it's impacting. It's just like powerful. And, and sometimes I just sit there in awe because it's so powerful. And yesterday, we have our prayer, and then we were praying for a person. And I mean, God gave me a word for them that was very strong, but other people had words. And then someone else came up for prayer, and I was amazed at what was ministered to them. But on any given week, we'll just wait. It doesn't happen every week, but it's so awesome to watch it happen. And we have another connect group that uh, I'll talk about next week. Pastor Bill leads. You can get into that, but can I, can I throw one more thing at you? Maybe some of you are called to lead that type of connect group. You can call it a worship group, whatever you want to call it, um, but it's six, you know, six to eight weeks, and, and maybe you just you know, want to give a time to just sit before the Lord and worship. Now, understand, we'll have to coach you. Some of you won't need coach because I know you, but if, if we don't know you, we'll have to coach you and make sure it doesn't get crazy, right? Because some things get crazy when it's the Holy Spirit. And so, you, you know, some people were crazy before they met Jesus. So <laughs> you've got to know that, right? I'm just being honest. They're not all there sometimes. Socially, not great. So, you know, that, that's out there, right? So people need to be coached. Plus, we need to be coached because we're just, we have to grow, right? So here's another thought, guys. We must ask, is this service public or private? That's a big... That's important. Like, and here's the other thing we did. Every week after worship, I would say, let's wait on the Lord. So we worshiped, now we're waiting on the Lord. And then everybody would pray in tongues. Probably 98% of our church spirit filled at the time. Everyone would just be praying, begin to pray in tongues. And, and it used to make me uncomfortable, and I'll tell you why. All of it made me uncomfortable because I couldn't, I couldn't invite my neighbors. <laughs> I couldn't invite non-Christians. And if I invited a non-Christian or a Christian that wasn't spirit-filled, uh, a relative, some, I, I rub shoulders with people in the community, so I wanted to invite those guys. I would get up right after worship and I'd say, let's pray, <laughs> and, and I wouldn't give a chance for anything, right? But everybody would pray in tongues, and we had visitors come and they'd run out. I, I had a neighbor that had accepted Christ, a neighbor that I grew up with, and then that happened. She just blew her gaskets, and she just ran. And, and, and you might say, well, that's too bad. Are you embarrassed by the whole? No, I'm not. But listen to this scripture. Deal with it. Listen to this. 1 Corinthians 14, 23. So if the whole church comes together, and everyone speaks in tongues, and inquirers or unbelievers come in, will they not say that you are out of your mind? Is that me or the Bible? That's, that's the Bible, guys. And so uh, what God's trying to say is, uh, you can't explain that in this. There, you can say, you could read a scripture. There's no way to explain it. People have to learn it. But what if you did it 
in believers groups. There's nothing wrong with a believers night, worship nights where those flow. And we, we all come up with names like flood night and uh, break the dam night and river night, Wh- whatever you wanna call it, that's a believers meeting, that's cool. And you're, you're, you're bringing people in that, that have and know about the Holy Spirit. So, you know, I want visitors here every weekend. I have pastor friends to say, you should never teach on these gifts because a visitor might freak out. I'm like, they're in the Bible. It's like I have to teach on forgiveness. You know, I, I can't worry about that. They don't freak out from someone teaching on it. Even if they walk away saying, I don't agree with Pastor Joe. I still like him because he's just an awesome guy, right? He's so awesome. <laughs> Love him. And, and I know he'll get off this series and get on another one. And I know he's not going to cram this down my throat. But, but guys, it, what's in the Bible has to be taught. And then the Holy Spirit, it's his job to deal with everybody's hearts, right? Um, that's up to him. So some of you might be called to be those connect group leaders and that's where God wants it working, but not just there, guys. Remember, gifts can flow wherever we go. And so I think we put it in a box where it can work. So here's my final principle. Gifts don't need worship to work. And that, you might think, what? They, but they don't. And again, worship is powerful. It's so powerful, but gifts don't have to have worship to work. God inhabits the praises of his people. And let me say this, whenever we have a worship service, God's working on people that are here. God will speak to their hearts. He exhorts people. Prophecies bubble up for them from the Lord. It's, it's beautiful. And let me tell you two quick stories. I was in the lobby one day and I saw someone walk up with our gift Bible. So I knew they had just prayed and accepted Jesus. Uh, and, and they came up to me and they, they still had teary, teary eyes. And I said, hi, and I introduced myself. They introduced themselves. And they said, uh, this is my first visit. I just accepted Jesus. But I want you to know, Pastor, when I walked in, the moment worship began, I sensed something that I've never sensed in my life. I knew what it was. And they said, I began to weep. And they said, God just began to deal with me. And then, he, and then they said, when you gave that altar call, I just couldn't resist it. God, God's in here. You might, might think he's not, but, but he's here because you're looking to see something, right? Uh, if you grew up a certain way. And, and then I, I'll have Christians that visit for the first time and, and, and they'll say things like this. Happens all the time. Pastor, I haven't sensed the Holy Spirit at that level in years. Just haven't. But I'll have other people come up. They're coming out of a real Pentecostal background. They'll just look at me and say, I don't sense any spirit here. So I'll always ask them, I'll say, well, what don't you, why don't you sense it? And here, they're not seeing the gifts after worship, so they feel God's not here. And that's what I call learned behaviors, right? So for 23 years, if we were praying for someone up here, um, we'd pray for them. We had to have ushers behind them because they would, they would be slain in the spirit, right? And, and I scratched my head for 23 years because I said, I can't find that anywhere in the Bible and I don't understand it. And then people would do this. They'd look to make sure the usher was there and then they'd go, so, you know. Or people didn't look for the usher. They fell down and cracked their head open and they had to go to the hospital. Now that, you shouldn't come to church and crack your head open when you're being prayed for, right? And so I'm just trying to figure this out. You know, Lord, what's going on? But now on the other end, two times since I've started Believers, I prayed. Each time was for one of our pastors. And I remember praying for one of our pastors and it was like electricity went through my arm and they went flying backwards and, and it hit them. And, and you knew it was God because they fell right in the chair perfect, didn't have to take them to the hospital. 
And I had the same thing happen with another pastor. Here's what I think happens. Somewhere in history, it happened one time. And so everybody said, oh, that's how God touches us. And then everybody began to pretend that they were slain in the spirit. You guys heard me say this before. I was at a meeting once, and this, past, this minister wanted us all to fall down, and he prayed for me three or four nights in a row. And I just stood there, kind of put my foot back, and he's, you know how they push you. And, and, and I said, if I feel it, I'll go down. But then I had a friend, he went down all four nights. So near the end, I, I had a talk with him after four nights, and I said, hey, is something wrong with me? Because we're really close. I said, I don't feel anything, and why are you feeling something? Because they would tell me that I'm, I'm closed and it's not me, you know. And, and, and he looked at me, he said, oh, those are courtesy drops. And yeah, I never heard that word before. I go, what's a courtesy drop? He goes, I don't want people to think I'm not spiritual. So he says, he says while I'm falling back, faking it, he says, I repent, tell God, sorry, I'm doing this. <laughs> True, I was so appreciative he was honest. Um, so if people come to your church from a heavy Pentecostal church, and they don't see that happening, or someone's not you know, prophesying after worship, they, oh, the Holy Ghost isn't here. Well, no, he's here, guys, he's here. Uh, and it's important for us to understand that. So uh, gifts don't need worship to work. I, I remember about 10, 11 years ago, I began to read the book of Acts. I wanted to read it a couple times, and I looked at every time there was a gift of the Spirit. And you know, it, they weren't preceded with worship. I mean, Peter's operating in the gifts out there. It, it was just amazing. Paul's up, not inside the four walls. Not that they can't work here. We want them to work here. We tell our elders when they're praying for the sick, believe for miracles, believe the gifts will flow, right? But it's just like they moved everywhere, wherever they were. And that's why I like to say gifts can flow wherever we go. And, and, and I think the problem is, here's what the problem is. Listen to this verse, guys. I read it two weeks in a row, my third week. Probably won't read it. Might next week, I don't know. First Corinthians 14.1. Follow the way of love. Last week we talked about that. And eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. Now, that word desire, the Greek word literally means uh, to want something more than anything else. It can be translated positive or negative. When it's translated in the negative, they use the word lust. So we all know what that means, right? But when it's used in a positive context, they say desire. But it's desiring like someone would lust after something wrong. You're, you and I are supposed to be desiring, wanting something really bad. But what happens if we're desiring, but we think it can only work after worship? You following my point? Then, then we're not turning the switch on. But what if we expect it to happen every moment of our lives? Tell you, this happened last week. Uh, I was messaged on Facebook by one of our members, and, 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 and they had to mess, message me on, I think it was Monday, but Sunday after church, they heard the message. Uh, they went to a park, and they saw some Christians on a table reading a Bible, and, and uh, so they walked over and introduced themselves. They just thought, I'm gonna just go say hi. Uh, and introduce, say, they said, we're Christians, something like that, you know? And they didn't tell me all the details, but uh, sometimes I'm too detailed. Okay, so, so listen, guys, here's why they messaged me. They said one of the men had a word for them, and they said they read our mail. I mean, they said it was 100, they knew it was from heaven because he knew things about them that, that he shouldn't. And the reason they messaged me was to say, thank you for your message. We just witnessed it working in our lives. And I want to encourage you to desire these gifts. Whatever they are, all of us should work in one gift at least. Just begin to desire it and turn that switch on 
but see that it doesn't have to be just in the setting that we did for 23 years. And guys, that's why I like to say, I, people, every now and then someone will tell me, the Holy, your church is Ichabod, the Holy Spirit's not here. And I'm like, well, he's here. Come to my prayer group. Find out if he's here or not, right? So, so guys, gifts can flow wherever we go. And I, this is time for prayer. So let's bow our heads, close our eyes. Let's pray. Father, I know there's some folks, Borman, Warren, online, they're, they're hearing, they have never even heard that there were gifts of the Spirit. So uh, again, I know they, they respect me, they like me, they know about me. But Lord, I just thank you and ask you, uh, you open up their eyes. And guys, that's what you need to pray. Lord, open up my eyes. If these things are true, I want to know about them, right? Um, so desire to know if this is true. But heads are bowed, eyes are closed. There's some of you listening right now and God is stirring you. And, and God is showing you, oh my goodness, now I see it, I see it. For others, you may have to listen a second time or a third time. But you're like, I want these gifts and I want them to work in my life. I didn't say they'll work every day, but they can work wherever you're at and you and I just need to desire it. And I want you right now, you don't have to pray out loud, but if you're listening, you say, I want these gifts to flow in my life. I want God to speak things to me so I can pray for others. I want to be able to exhort people by the power of the Holy Spirit and just say, God, I desire these gifts. I want to be able to pray for people and have God show up. God, I desire these gifts. Just cry out and let them know. You can do it in a whisper. I want these gifts. Now, Father, as we pray, I do want to exhort. Do that every morning, guys. Do it every morning. Just say, Lord, as I go through my day, I desire spiritual gifts. Give God that opportunity. So heads are bad, eyes are closed. I believe the Holy Spirit is speaking to people right now. People about the lesson, I know that. Online, in here. But whether you're online or you're here or in Boardman, I want to ask you a question. Are you sure of your eternity? If you were to die, would you go to heaven or hell? Maybe not even sure if there is a heaven or hell. I was there once, just before I met Jesus. I, I didn't think God existed. And I grew up in church, but I came to a place where I'm, I'm not sure he existed. I was mad at him because my brother died and I, I blamed him. And then I thought, I don't even know if you exist. And I was wandered really far. And then God, God's the only one, but he reached me. And, and I believe he's reaching people right now. Jesus said, if you believe in your heart that I died for your sins and God raised me from the dead and you confess with your mouth that I'm Lord, God will save you. And that's what I'm asking. Can you remember a day when that happened in your life where you said, Jesus, I accept you. Those of you that grew up in church, you might think I was water baptized. I'm a member of a church. That's good, but it doesn't mean you met Jesus. Can you remember a day when you said, Jesus, I accept you and make a decision to make you Lord and follow you? It's a big deal. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you're listening, you say, I'm ready to do that. Would you pray with me right now? Everyone in Borman and Warren, <coughs> excuse me, sinuses, not COVID. All right. So excuse me, guys. I want you to pray with me and online pray with me. Just say this after me. Mean it in your heart. The rest of us, can we help? Just say this after me. Say, Father God, I realize I was born sin-stained and I need a Savior. I repent of all my sins.
and I look to Jesus. Jesus, I believe you're the only way to heaven, that you're the Son of God. You died for my sins and the sins of the entire world. I receive you as my Savior, and I make you Lord of my life. I make a decision to follow you. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer, miracles happened. God washed all your sins away. He gave you the gift of eternal life. Heaven's your future destination. And you might not have felt a thing, but it happened. You know what else the Bible teaches? All of heaven's now rejoicing if, if, if you prayed that prayer. Just one person on the whole planet. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. There are a couple things I'd love for you to do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. That helps us spread the word and impact more people. You can also help us see others connected to God by investing today at believers.cc slash give. And if you want updates on all things Believers Church, check out believers.cc or follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram or search Believers The Connecting Place on Facebook. The best way to connect with BC is live and in person at one of our weekend worship experiences. We have locations in Boardman and Warren, and you can get the service times and plan your visit at believers.cc. Thanks for tuning in to the BC Podcast. Thank you.